I'm going to come uh, to, to share briefly. Uh, this is prayer fuel. We may have a chance to pray uh, as well before we finish. As you know, I've deliberately set about today's agendas and our, our order of meeting and what we've been doing in a slightly different way to maximize this atmosphere of prayer and intercession. And uh, it's been delightful to see people pray. The, the Filipinos were praying up a storm. Different groups of people, different generations of cells. We've had 100 or more people in the room uh, uh, once. It almost got crowded. We had to, we had to take up our, our little, you know, whatever you, whatever you do when you, when you have a little subscription. Had to build that up to, to accommodate everybody. And uh, really wonderful that during this time when we are unable to meet each other physically in any great numbers, that we are able to meet through these electronic means. Now, uh, just to take you through, I'm sure most of you will know where we've been uh, over the last little while um, and where we're just going to finish up by the end of today. So there were three basic um, prayer lines. The first prayer line is uh, drawing near to God, Psalm 42, verses 1 through 4. Psalm 42, verses 1 through 4, and there it is on the screen. Drawing closer to God, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The next two verses were also included. We haven't put those up yet. Uh, but it's about, you know, my tears have been my food day and night. When people say to you, where is your God? And there is this sense of, of uh, the, the psalmist being separated from the fellowship of God's people, separated from the pure living streams of the presence of Yahweh, the presence of the Lord in the temple and, uh, and, 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 or, or the, the, the place of worship. And, um, but still, he says, this has only added to intensify. It's only had the result of intensifying my hunger and desire for God. And one of the things that we will discover is that those of you who have been excluded from <laughs> the opportunity to gather together right now, we do have the opportunity to come back, and that's why more and more are coming back each week. It's limited. You have to book your place because we're still uh, following very carefully all the social distancing guidelines and sanitation guidelines and temperature checks and all that kind of stuff because we want to play our part in controlling the virus and keeping it in check. And we believe God for those things. But that does mean that while we have been maybe a little bit more excluded from the regular activities that we'd have done so easily, uh, friends and family, I know it, the, the restrictions are, are being lift, lifted a bit, but I believe that this has built in us a real intense desire for fellowship with the Lord and with one another. 
And many, many people perhaps have been praying over the last 48 hours, 50 hours, 60 hours, who would never have been so readily available for prayer because of the business of their life. But God has shut us in in some way, and I believe that he's been working in our hearts and lives. And what has been happening is we're developing a thirst and a hunger for the presence of God, for the pure, clear waters of the Holy Spirit. And I would not be surprised whether God does not come like, a, like with a tremendous flood outpouring of his spirit to, on dry ground to satisfy that. And I'm believing God for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life, in my life, and in the life of the body of Christ. Because the more spiritually refreshed we are and the more we experience God's presence and the satisfaction of drinking the fresh, clear waters, the living waters of the Spirit of God, the more refreshed we come, the more overflow will come out of our lives and the more our lives will be a blessing to other people. As the Bible says, Jesus said, out of my inmost being shall flow rivers of living water and go out into the desert. And this is the, 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 the Messiah who is the Lord and the giver of the Spirit, the one who brings water in desolate places, the one who turns the desert into a place of springs, the one who transforms the arid, barren desert environment of our lives, the arid, barren desert environment of our souls and our, our city and our nation. And God, by his spirit, wants to come and transform all of that. And so we are the ones who are called to drink of the spirit and overflow from the spirit into the lives of other people. The Holy Spirit is given to us for the benefit of the world. So he's not just for our own benefit. Holy Spirit's given to us that we might know him, that he might dwell with us and he might dwell in us. And then the Bible says, but he, when the Spirit has come, Jesus said, when the Spirit has come, he will convince the world and bring the world to a place of conviction because it doesn't believe in Christ. And then bring the world uh, into a realization of righteousness, that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world and was raised for righteousness. And now we can be righteous with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And if that's not happened to you yet, right now, right where you are, call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved and eternal life shall be yours. Amen and amen. And so this is the first part. We spent 24 beautiful hours waiting on the Lord for that. And then we went on into the next scripture, which is Acts chapter 26 and verse 19. Now, this is a, a very significant passage from the New Testament. The Apostle Paul is giving his testimony. There's a long story as to how this came about. Of course, in the very beginning, when the Apostle Paul met Christ on the Damascus Road, he was told uh, by uh, the Holy Spirit through Ananias and, and was given the revelation that Paul was going to suffer many things for the sake of the gospel, but God would use him to testify towards kings and governors and, that, and God would keep him and, and rescue him and, and make him fruitful amongst the Gentiles. And so the opportunity comes 
when the Apostle Paul has passed everything through the filter that he uses for his life, and that is, does this help the gospel? Does this mean I have a greater opportunity to preach Christ? Have you ever thought about that for your own life? Have you ever thought about that for what God calls you to do, to put it through the filter, to check it out, your guidance and, and sense of direction from the Lord? Ask him, what course of action will give you most glory? What position or situation do you want me in that will give me the most opportunity to proclaim Christ? Not what's going to give me the best paycheck, what's going to make my life the most comfortable, what's going to make my life the most pleasurable, how am I going to get the satisfaction and the career path that you have for me? God, show me where you want me to be that I can be the most fruitful for you and the most productive for you. And the Apostle Paul, if you read the story, you'll discover how he deliberately provoked situations that he would be in this position to give testimony before King Agrippa and others on his way towards his Roman trial, and eventually to be able to stand before Caesar himself and give testimony to the emperor. And that's what it was all about. He didn't care about his own life and comfort. Now he has the opportunity in defense, and, and as people are beginning to investigate the charges against him, which were, which were not valid charges. And so in the middle of this testimony, he uh, says to King Agrippa, verse 19, so then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And this has been our prayer line uh, 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 on Saturday right up until midnight last night. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Now, I want to sh share with you a little bit about that before we pray and close today. What is he talking about? If you look in the early part of the chapter, and of course go back uh, into Acts chapter 9, where you see, read all about this, Saul as he was known then. Saul is his Jewish name. Paul is his Roman name. Saul was so against those who were following the way of Christ that he gained authority from the chief priests in Jerusalem to persecute and do everything he could do to stop this new movement from growing. And he even received authority to go to Damascus, where there were some believers, to go there and imprison them. And the Apostle Paul therefore became one of the prime persecutors of the very early believers, the very early followers of Jesus Christ, even to the point of bloodshed and certainly torture. And it, it is horrible. That's why later on in life he said, I'm the chief of all sinners. He realized that he was so wrong. But on the road to Damascus, he saw Christ. It was a vision. It's literally the prototypical Damascan road conversion. It, he, his life was completely turned around. He was on the way to Damascus with authority to persecute the believers. And there he met the, met the risen Christ. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus who you are persecuting. He had such a blazing vision of Christ that he was temporarily blinded and for several days was humbled like that. 
And so when he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, the first thing he means is that I met Christ. Have you met Christ? I don't mean say, can you say in your heart, oh yeah, yeah, I believe, I believe. No, have you met Christ? We need to meet Christ. We need to make sure that when we meet Christ, we meet him and our lives are turned around. It is a revolution from the inside out when we meet Christ. And that's one of the reasons why we pray, because this is a progressive thing. It's not as if one day, boom, you meet Christ and you don't ever need to talk to him again because you already met him. No, this is the introduction but it was a glorious introduction. The Apostle Paul saw Christ and this vision of Christ and the words, why are you persecuting me? And this is the great thing about conviction of sin. You know, a lot of people think that sin is just like, you know, a kind of very religious word for doing things that I shouldn't do. And it's just about you and somebody else um, and uh, no, 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 no. And you know, it, it, it is about you and God. It's about you and Jesus. And this is what it means when the Bible says, when Jesus himself said that the Spirit will convince the world of sin, sin because they believe not in me. The greatest sin of all is the sin of keeping Christ out of your life and refusing to believe in him. And this is what Paul was doing. But he met Jesus, and he said, now I know, who are you, Lord? I am the Lord. I am the one that you are persecuting. I am Jesus. And he began to realize that Paul had got it all wrong, and that this Jesus that he was preaching against really was the Messiah, really was the Christ, really was the King of the Jews. Paul was as wrong as it could possibly be, but God turned him right round. But that is not the end of the vision. Because the obedience that, Jesus, that Paul is talking about here is not just seeing the vision of Jesus on the Damascus road, but receiving Jesus' vision for his life. And that's what I'm calling upon you, all of you, KTLCC, don't just see Jesus, that's the start, that's the first part of it, and you must see him, you must meet him, you must encounter Christ, you must get to know him and believe him for everything that he is and all that you, the Bible declares him to be. But that's just one part of the vision, that's receiving the vision of who Jesus is, but at the same Jesus who calls you so that you might have fellowship with him is the same Jesus who will re re reveal to you his vision for your life. And his vision for your life is not to tick tock Sunday by Sunday and to go online here and go online there and do a bit of study here and go over there and choose this and float around. No, no, no. He has called you to be a witness for him. He has called you to the worldwide work of making, maturing, uh, mentoring and mobilizing disciples. This great commission is upon all of us uh, and the vision by which we operate to do this is the cell vision because we share together he doesn't call you to do it on your own he doesn't call you to struggle on your own trying to find out what's the answer to this question how do I reply to that what do I do when I meet this particular problem God calls us to do it together as a community and not just all together all in one big place but to do it in small groups where we are committed to discipling one another encouraging one another building one another up and from there together reaching out to our friends to bring them under the sound of the gospel and to begin to disciple 
disciple them and to ground them in the things of Christ so they too can be disciple makers. Amen and amen. And this is God's call upon your life. So Paul was able to say, I saw Jesus, and you know what? I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. So there is a call of Christ upon your life, and it's the same for us all. This call in his outworking is not identical in its outworking. It's unique to who you are, your personality, what God has given you, where he has placed you. But the overall description of it in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptizing them and teaching them everything I've commanded you to do. And we do this together and organize ourselves together as a church to do this. So I'm calling all KTL. LCC people back to the great commission of Christ that we will be obedient to the vision that God has given us. And that vision is not just the general vision of discipling the nations, but also how he calls us to do it as we structure ourselves together to be workers in the house of God. This coming Wednesday, I'm going to stress those things again. So this is in the powerful intercession all day from midnight, or very early Saturday morning, just after midnight, Friday night, right the way through to midnight last night. That has been the emphasis that we've been praying about, to line up with the vision of the house, to line up with the vision of Christ, and to say, God, I am not going to just be an ordinary Sunday Christian, or an ordinary, you know, very, very wishy-washy Christian. I'm going to find his vision for my life, because I have been overcome by my vision of who he is revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.